Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. One of the greatest problems in our churches is the breakdown of church unity. One of the greatest problems that we face today is the breakdown of church unity. You see, it's, it's insidious. It's debilitating, and it really is destructive. So much so that the Apostle Paul actually urged the church in Ephesus when he said in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, I therefore... A prisoner of the Lord beseech you. That word beseech means I'm begging you. Here's the Apostle Paul writing to the Ephesian church. He says, I'm begging you. To do what, Paul? Why would you beg us? He says, to walk worthy of the calling in which you were called. You guys live up to being a Christian. Walk worthy of the calling. How, Paul? With all lowliness and gentleness with long-suffering, notice, bearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, from verses 1 to 3, Paul is just really exhorting us to stay in, what, to stay with unity, to stay in love with each other, to, to build the church that way. But I think about what he's saying early on, and he says, therefore, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling. How should we walk? Lowliness, gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. And it was just after first service, had nothing to do with the message, but a fellow approached me, said, yeah, we were talking about work. And he said, you know, I had, to, I had to fire somebody this week. And I said, really, why? He said, oh, well, she was taking, she was taking money. Oh, well, that's a bummer. He goes, but you know what the sad part? That's not why I fired her. I fired her because she had a bad attitude. Oh, wow. You know that, and this isn't in Texas, guys. You know that uh, she's the worship leader and a Christian? I was like, wow. It just, it broke my heart. And I was thinking, here you saying, guys, you know what? This is what we should do. This, we, should, we, should, we should be with lowliness, God, humility. We should be with gentleness and long-suffering. We should love each other. As a matter of fact, Jesus, our Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 35, he said, by this, all the people in Lubbock, Texas will know you're my disciple if you have loved one for another. That's what he's telling us because the problem is the breakdown of the church unity is one of the most critical problems in our churches today. And the biggest problem, let's be honest, is it leads to the division among the bodies of Christ. We have divisions. Now, this is only one of the five major problems that Paul is going to deal with at the church of Corinth. This is only one. And by way of reminder, Paul is going to deal with five of them, guys, five. And I want to give them to you real quick so you kind of just get an overview of all of 1 Corinthians. You can jot these down. But in in chapters 1 to 4, we've discovered that there are divisions in the body of Christ. We've been working through that. Paul's going to give us the cause and he's going to give us the consequences today. We'll look at that in just a minute. But in chapters, check this out, in chapters 5 through 7, Paul is going to address some problems related to sex and singleness and even marriage. 
And I was thinking about that, boy, that's going to be an interesting study. I mean, thinking about what Paul is going to talk about, I mean, it's, it's not taught in churches today, the problems about sex and sexual immorality. And then he's going to address in chapters 8 through 10, he's going to address the issue of food. Not just food, do you like food? I think we all like food. We like to go out to eat. We love food. But he's going to say, here's the problem. The, the problem was more that food is, that was sacrificed to idols. And even the deeper issue there is Paul's going to deal with, make sure that we love each other enough not to cause somebody to stumble. And so again, he's going to talk about that. And that's a problem. And, and then he deals with the fourth problem. You go, what's that? It's chapters 11 to 14. Paul addresses what? Some of their problems in their weekly gatherings. As they gather together, he says, oh, hey, there's, there's issues. I got to talk about that. And of course, the last problem that Paul deals with in this book is he addresses it in chapter 15. It's the issue of Jesus' resurrection. Do you realize that some of the people in the church of Corinth didn't believe that Jesus resurrected from the grave? They got saved with Paul's message, and somehow, over the course of 15 chapters, they're like, no, I don't know if I really believe that. And so Paul will deal with that, and we'll get to that probably sometime. But today, we're still unpacking chapters 1 through 4. And here's what we learned. Paul's going to deal with, guys, jot this down, the cause of divisions. The cause of divisions, okay? Now, you remember that many in this church were focused on people, personalities, works, miracles, rather than the Lord Jesus Christ. That was one of their major problems. As a matter of fact, he says, Chloe actually wrote about this. In verse 11 of chapter 1, he says, For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there were contentions. Contentions means heated disagreements. So it's not just like, oh, we're just not getting along. They're, they're going to blows, he says, among you. There's, there's problems in the church. Now, I say this, each of you says, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, or I'm of Christ. He says, that's a problem. He says, one of the main problems, guys, is, is really this. It boils down to this. For you to say, I'm of Paul, I'm of Paulus, I'm of Cephas, or I'm of Christ, he says, you really don't understand the message of the cross. You don't fully grasp it. The message of the cross is the gospel, and the church at Corinth, guys, did not understand the gospel message. They totally, totally missed it. You see, a lot of people do that today, and it's so crucial that we understand the gospel message. Because here's what we understand a little bit about the gospel. We say, oh, it's good news, and, and Jesus died for you, and that's the gospel. And the gospel is, you can be saved from your sin, and everyone goes, amen, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the gospel, I believe, is so, guys, it's so much deeper. It's so much deeper. It's so much wider. It has to be. Here's why. Think about this. When sin fractured the world, it fractured the entire world, it fractured all of us, that means the gospel had to even be so much more. And see, the gospel, if we truly understand it, guys, it heals us when we're wounded. The gospel makes us complete when we feel incomplete. The gospel validates us when we're looking for people to like us and not like us or make us feel like we're something. The gospel says, I've already done that. The gospel Paul was willing to die for. Think about the disciples. Every one of them understood the gospel to the point where they said, I'm willing to die 
so that people could be saved. So people could be healed. So people could walk in the right mind. So people could be victorious in life. The gospel is so deep. And he says, guys, the reason there's division is because you don't understand the gospel. The second reason is because he says, not only that, not only do you you misunderstand the Spirit's teaching, how the Holy Spirit, guys, is to come and help you grow in God. You see, the church was looking, guys, they were looking to grow, but they were looking to grow the world's way. They wanted something fast. Give me four points. Let's go. And Paul says, it's the Holy Spirit in you that grows each and every day. You guys know this. Progressive sanctification, growing in Jesus, it's a hard road. It's a long road. It's you crawling. It's becoming more like Jesus every day. But progressively, you're becoming more and more like Jesus. Paul says, that's the cause of division, guys. You misunderstood the gospel. The message of the cross is foolish. And he says, you don't understand. It's the Holy Spirit that actually grows you. But then he says, but not only is there a cause, there's also a consequence. You see, because every action results in a consequence, does it not? Good or bad. Every, every decision, every, every cause, everything, every action is going gonna, is gonna to result in a consequence. He goes, but, but let, me, let me go ahead and give you, let me just go ahead and give you the consequences of division. You guys ready? First and foremost, jot this down, our spiritual growth will be stunted. You, you want to know, know what these divisions are doing to you? It's stunting your spiritual growth. Paul says, man, you don't know how bad I wanted to come to you. You don't know how bad I wanted to feed you and, and tell you the deep things of God. He says, but you, I couldn't because you guys are still carnal. You, you guys are babes in Christ. And you know what the word babes in Christ means? Check this out. Babes means undeveloped who cannot understand the deep truths of God and are prone to strife. And are prone to strife. You go, what do you mean? He says, you guys are babies. You guys are babies, and not only are you babies, that you're prone to fighting each other. Well, I don't like what you did there, and I don't like what you did. He says, I came to you, and man, when I fed you with milk, he says, but I've given you time to grow, and I can't feed you because you can't handle it. You can't handle it, the word. He says, you guys are still carnal, and you're still walking in the flesh. You know why there's divisions? Because of all of that. There's divisions because you're babies in Christ, and you're prone to what? To strife. And, of course, that led me to think of this story. Do you remember the story about the, the man? He got lost at sea and rode his way out to sea, and the waves took him. Next thing you know, he found himself in a deserted island. It wasn't very big, but he looked around the island, walked around, didn't take very long, realized, I'm the only one here. I'm in trouble. Nobody else is here, so he just waited. He rode in the sand, H-E-L-P. You know, if somebody would see him, they would look for him. You go, Ben, you're describing Castaway. I'm not describing Castaway. It's just a smaller island, Okay. And finally, the day came when he was rescued. And when they rescued this young man, they saw that there were three huts on the island. So they came to him and they said, excuse me, I, who else is here? He goes, no, it's just me. I'm the only one on this island. He goes, but there's three huts. He goes, oh, yeah, see this first one? That's the one I live in. He goes, yeah, but what about the other two? Oh, this second one right here? He goes, that's my church. That's the church I go to. 
Yes, sir, but what about the third one? He goes, oh, that's the church I used to go to. <laughs> right? I mean, that's exactly what, what Paul is saying. He goes, guys. God. You see, one of the consequences of, div- of, of, spiritual, of, of division is spiritual growth is stunted. Stunted. Kind of reminded me of when we used to drink coffee. I mean, anybody like coffee today? Remember when we were little, what did they used to tell you? Don't drink coffee, it's going to... Every one of us knew that. Don't drink coffee, it's going to stunt your growth. And you're just like, ah, I don't want to be small, you know? But, but Paul is saying, listen, the divisions, they're really going to stunt your growth, but your spiritual growth. You see, when God saved you, sister, he wants you to grow. He wants you to know more of him. And the divisions are causing you to, whoa, whoa, whoa. He says, but another division is not only is your spiritual growth stunted, he says, um, there's consequences of lost rewards. Lost rewards. Take a quick look with me, guys, in verse 14 of chapter 3. I want to bring you back just for a second. He says, Paul says, if anyone's work, which he has built on it, endures, he will receive a reward. Okay, so the idea here, guys, is number one, we're saved by grace, okay, that's a gift, amen? By putting our faith in Jesus, that's a gift. So heaven, citizenship, it's yours, amen? If you believe it, it's there. You can't earn it, it's done. But works are, as a result of being saved, it's a natural byproduct. You go, man, I want to work for Jesus, And as you work with the right motives and the right foundation, he says, man, you're going to get rewards in heaven. I don't know how this is going to look, but think about this, man. When you get to heaven, there's going to be, listen, what did you do? How did you serve? What did you give? All of this, there's there's rewards. And Paul says, "Now, now listen, listen, if your work was built on the right foundation, on with the right materials, he says, man, there's going to be rewards. I sort of liken that to Christmas, right? Christmas morning, you get up, he's like, man, look at the present, you know, and I just, I like getting presents. I like getting presents, but Paul says, here's, here's the issue. The issue is, if, if you're not building on the right foundation, he says, your works are going to be burned. He says, you'll be saved because it's not a salvation issue, it's a works issue. What do you mean? Well, if your works are on a foundation that's not the Lord Jesus Christ and your materials are wood, hay, and stub and straw, guess what? It's going to burn. It's going to burn. Well, why did you do this? Well, you know, I, why, why, why did you pastor? Why were you a pastor? Well, you know, I just, I just needed the pats on the back. You see, I needed to walk down from the pulpit and I needed the people to tell me how wonderful I was. I just needed that. That's why I was a pastor. That's wrong motives. It's, 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 it's not what... But you see, there are a lot of people who do that. There are a lot of people who do that because they need the dopamine hit of the pat on the back. Hey, good, good job. Good job. He says it's going to burn. But if you're a pastor because you're called and you heard my voice and you're building and you're preaching the truth, See, our building, guys, our building of our lives and their building of the church has to be on Jesus and only Jesus. 
Listen, I love the fact that we have a sign in Calvary Chapel. I love the building. But this means nothing without Jesus. Stephen, Santos, so if the rest, they know we're about Jesus. Has to be. I was joking with Santos yesterday. He was standing at the door and we were just talking about some stuff. And I said, well, Santos, you never know. I might not be here tomorrow and you'd have to take over. Just joking, just talking. To which he replied, you know what? It's, it's the Lord. It's got to be the Lord. In other words, he was saying nothing should change. Nothing should change because whoever's behind this pulpit, guys, should be preaching Jesus and him crucified. Now, my wife's looking like, you better not go anywhere. And I'm like, I know. I get it. I get it. So what do we do? Number one, we need to build on the right foundation. Okay? We know this, guys. We know this. Your house is on a foundation. If it's not on a right foundation, it's... How do you know if your foundation is messed up in your house? Doors are closing by themselves. You open the door and it goes, you know, so we got a problem. But we need to build on the right foundation. But we also need to build with the right materials. Okay? You can't put a 24-inch door on a 36-inch opening. It's not going to look good, is it? This door won't close, you think? Well, today, Paul continues his thought process by reminding us Guys, and reminding this church that, that if we build in the wrong way, we're going to lose our rewards. And that's where we pick it up, guys. Verse 18. He says, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. Now, you and I go, I have no idea what he just said. Paul, could you just talk English? Could you just talk English, right? Because, but here's what he's really saying. He's guys, 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 listen to me. He said, please stop deceiving yourselves. Stop deceiving yourselves. Don't think that you can be wise, listen to me, by merely being up to date with the times. Okay? Don't think you can be wise because you, you have the internet. Don't think you're wise because you watch people post, you know, scriptures on Facebook. Don't think you can be wise because you read an article here or, or you look up Wikipedia. Don't, he says, don't do that. He says, what you need to do in order to, he says, listen to this, you need to become a fool, God's fool, in order to be truly wise, which is, a, which is faith, isn't it? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, Lord. I love the way that Warren Wearsby writes this, so I'm just going to quote him. We must have the right foundation. We must have the right, right, we must build with the right materials. But also, how many of you know we need to build with the right plans? Right? We need to build with the right plans. Those are so essential, and I'll tell you why. When we first rented this building, there was no walls at all. There was nothing here, and we actually had to draw plans so we know exactly where the walls go. Now, I could have went around with a piece of tape and said, I think a wall should go here. You go, Ben, no, no, no. It's better to build with the right plans, and that's what Paul says. That's what Paul says. Why? Because in the context, guys, Paul is warning them about worldly wisdom, He says, be careful. You're looking at this with worldly wisdom. He says, look at it through spiritual eyes. 
spiritual life. So how do we grow the church? Guys, we're going to grow the church. Well, the church, is, the church growth is not dependent on worldly practices, but spiritual ones. I'll tell you why. Let's be honest. You, some of you in here are marketing geniuses. We could bring you all in. We could get at my table and say, okay, how do we fill every single chair in here? Well, pastor, we need to do this. We need to do this. We need to have this raffle. We need to do this. And we could fill every chair in here. We could bring the people. We could do this with a concert. We could do this with a popular speaker. We could fill this church. But Paul is saying, look at it through spiritual eyes. What's the best way to build the church? And he says, we need to, we need to build this church like with prayer. Now, I know that we say, hey, you've got to invite somebody. And I'll still tell you, invite your friends, invite your family, bring them. But here's the bottom line. We, we need to be praying. And can I tell you this? Can you pray for your pastor? Can you pray for your pastor? Do you realize so many pastors leave the ministry every single month? Pray for me. Pray for the pastors here, guys, please. Pray for God's protection. Pray for God's guidance. Pray for us. But also pray for each other. You're you're a family. God will put in your heart, in your mind, who you need to be praying for. You might be doing something. Oh, yeah, I need to be, I need to be praying, man. I need, to, I need to be praying. Oh, yeah, pray. I need to pray for soul for day. I don't know. what. Maybe something's going on. There are oftentimes I'll text somebody goes, I don't know what's going on, but God put you in my heart. Are you okay? Oh, thanks for praying, bro. I need you. I needed that. Do you know that we're missing in prayer meetings? Do you know that? Two friends. I have two friends. I have a friend in Colorado, and I have a friend in California. Pastor large Calvary chapels, large, 5,000 people, 1,000 people, and I talked to both of them, and he said, you know what, Ben, we're going to do something different on Wednesday night. He said, here's what we've, we've implemented, 10 minutes of prayer time, okay? So what they did is they would come up, we do worship, and then he says, okay, here, what I want to do is I want to get everybody together around in different groups, and we're going to pray for 10 minutes, 10 minutes, guys, and then after the 10 minutes, you'll sit back down, and I'll teach the word. This is going to be our Wednesday night. He said, you know what happened, Ben? He said, more than half the people didn't come back on Wednesday night. What? What? He says, yeah. He says, now, it's since grown. There's people that want to pray have started coming. Ten minutes. My friend in, in California said, we did the same thing. We did it on Sunday morning, though. We're, we're going to pray. This group pray, this group pray, this group. He said, you know what? He said, we lost, we lost half the church. The people don't want to pray. We're missing that element, guys, of praying, talking to God and crying out to him. Larry told me that he did that at Bakersfield and that they, they, they implemented prayer. And, 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 and every one of us guys go, oh, I don't know if I want to pray with each other. I feel so weird. But he said, what happened is that they began to pray. People began to be healed. And people and things started started to move, and I'm going, we're missing prayer. You know how we're going to build this church, guys? We're just going to pray. You go, what else? Well, another spiritual way, guys, is the power of the Spirit. It's the power of the Spirit. It's to walk in humility and love each other. It's also sacrifice. You realize that the greatest commodity you have is time. And when you sacrifice it for the body of Christ. I, listen, 
I'm some, I mean, like, like I'm here. And I, I see Olivia working in the children's ministry, sacrificing her time. It's the greatest thing she has. And she's like, here, this, I love Jesus. I'm sacrificing my time. We're standing here. Laura drives up. I mean, sacrificing time. You, you understand that. We're not just here. And, and the greatest commodity we have is to sacrifice unto the Lord. This is for you. This is for you. All I, we, right? My wife says, I'm always racing the clock. We always feel like we're racing the clock. But when you go, God, I'm going to sacrificially give an hour or two. Because I love the kids and I love the people. And I want to be here. What can I serve? People who sacrifice to clean. I'll tell you another one is sacrificially give money. When you give sacrificially, there's not a whole lot of us who have it. But when God says, hey, I want you to give so the gospel can go out. So we can reach people that we're not reaching. That's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. We want to do it sacrificially. Also service. Service. You know how we're going to grow this church? Just serve. But not only serve in here. We got to serve out there. We got we to reach the homeless. We got to reach people. We got to get involved in our community. People need to see us. If we're going to love, let's love out loud. That means in, in action. In action. So Paul says, guys, listen, listen, we're going to build with the right plans. We're going to build God's way. And in verse 19, he says, for the wisdom of this world, guys, is foolishness with God, for it is written. Everybody see that in your Bible? I love that. For it is written, he catches the wise with their own craftiness. Again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, and they are futile. Don't you just love that? Why? Because the first thing he says is, is this, guys. He says, listen, the wisdom of the world, that's foolish with God. That's foolish with God. And then he does something that I love so much. You go, what does he do? I mean, he, he quotes the Bible. It is written. It is written. Maybe you've had a tough week where the enemy has attacked you. Do what Paul does. Go back to the word. It is written. You remember what Jesus did when he was tempted? He, he didn't sit there and go, no, -uh, I'm the son of God. Uh-uh. He goes, no, it is written. It is written. It is written. Guys, this is your sword. And this is what we do. This is where we come and say, no, no, no. This is my promises. You have no claim to me right here. It is written. It is written. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. It is written, guys. And I love that Paul does because he wants to show us, hey, I'm just not making this stuff up. It is written. What did he, what did he quote? He, quote, he quoted Job 5.13. Where Job says he catches the wise in their own craftiness. In other words, Paul says he traps the wise in their own cleverness so that their cunning schemes are thwarted. That's what Paul says. He goes, and if that's not enough, he actually quotes, quotes Psalm 94.11. The Lord knows the thoughts of men and how they're foolish. That's what he says. The Lord knows. The, 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 you think you're wise? Aw. Aw. You know how you do that? Aw. That's what the Lord does. That's what the Lord does. It's like when my two-year-old grandbaby said, Grandpa, I want to drive. One time she told me she wanted to drive the car. Okay. Aw, isn't that cute? 
That's what we, that's, that's, that's man's wisdom to God. He's like, oh, pobrecito mijito, you know? <laughs> and Paul, he quotes, and he says, but let me take you back to the gospel. He says, I don't know why there's divisions, and I'll tell you why. Look at verse 21. He says, therefore, let no one boast in men. Why, Paul? For all things are yours. Underline that verse. You go, why? He says, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, he says, all are yours. And you are Christ's and Christ is God's. What's the first thing Paul tells us? Listen to me. Do not boast in men. Do not boast in men or the identity of those men. Don't boast in their works. Why? Because they're causing, the commu- they're causing strife in the community of God. Paul says, don't boast in Paul. Don't boast in Apollos. Don't boast in Ben. Don't boast in Soph. Don't boast in Santos. Don't boast in, don't boast in any of that. Don't boast in churches. What are you doing? Well, we go to Calvary Chapel. You know? Calvary Chapel is the church. Don't boast in churches. He says, don't boast in this, guys, because you're causing division. As a matter of fact, he said, look at this. He says, for all things are yours. You go, what is he talking about? He says, all are yours. The world is yours. Life is yours. Death is yours. Things present, things to come, they're all yours. In other words, how rich are we in Christ? If all things, listen to me, if all things belong to believers, then why should there be competition and rivalry? Paul says, please get your eyes off men. Please get your eyes off men. Keep your eyes on Christ and work in building the church. Let me just say this to you. I want to I say this for the record, okay? We at Calvary Chapel are into building God's kingdom. We want to build God's kingdom. Listen, I guarantee you, there will be no Calvary Chapel people in heaven. You know what I'm talking about? There's not going to be a section going, oh, you went to Calvary? Okay, you're safe. There's going to be Christian believers in Christ in heaven. There will be no Pentecostal. There'll be no Calvary. It's only, we're building this kingdom. We're building this kingdom, guys. And that's what he's saying. And if we're building this kingdom, why are we striving with other churches? Because we're men, aren't we? We get prideful. As a matter of fact, I, I see that happen. It played out several years ago. Several years ago, we had a, a popular group come to sing here at this, and I invited another Baptist church. We're good friends. I said, hey, I, tell your church, come on over, and we'll just, we'll all get, we'll just join churches, and we'll just have a blast. Well, hardly any of their members, almost none, none of their members came over. I'm like, well, that's weird. Why, why can't we be, why can't we be partners? Here's why. Because what pastors are afraid of is if we gather together and they like me better, then they'll come to my church and they won't go to your church anymore. Or vice versa. Don't you dare go to another church, Kevin, because you might like that pastor better. And it's going, is that really building the body? That's what Paul is saying. He's saying, guys, that's causing division. We come, we hear God's voice. We say, I'm in, I'm planted in this church. We've got to do, we've got to do community together. That's why we call it a church. You guys got that, right? 
But once we do that, then we're in and we're going to build God's kingdom. And if we go out and we share the gospel and somebody goes, praise God, I'm saved. You go, do you have a church? Amen. Amen. I'll never forget the first time we went to Calvary Chapel, Santa Fe. Okay, I'll never forget the first time because that pastor came in. He looked at me. He says, hi, I'm pastor. I won't tell you who he is, but I'm pastor. And I'll say, hey, I'm Ben. We're, you know, and he says, so. He's a, he looked at me and he says, so where do you go to church? I said, oh, we're, we're, we're going over here right now. And he looks all seriousness. He looks at me and goes, hey, you getting fat? And we sort of looked at each other and said, oh. Because he looked at me and he said, because if you're getting fat, you go back to that church and serve that pastor. It's like, wow, what pastor says, don't come here, go back and, and that church grew. It just grew. But the attitude, I think, is building the kingdom. Wouldn't you agree? Building the kingdom. Paul says this, guys, check it out. I love this. He said, no one boasts in men. He says, for all things are yours. And you are in Christ. And what he's really trying to say is he said, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, he said, those men exist for you, not the other way around. You see, and I'm naming our leadership guys so you know, but Santos is here for you. Stephen is here for you. I'm here for you. Not the other way around. You don't, you're not here so that we could have a church and go, oh, look, we're we're servants. We're servants. And if you look in the bulletin, it says Ben Martinez, senior pastor. You know what that means? Yeah, you're pretty old. No, it doesn't mean I'm the senior. It just means that I should be the chief servant. That's what it means. But we're here for you. That's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, you're not here for me. You're not here for Paul. You're not for the Paulus. Guys, we're actually here to serve you. And by serving you, and we want to see you grow, and we want to see you mature, and I want to be able to, I want to be able to have steak with you if, you, if you know what I mean. I want to be able to talk the deep things of God. I don't want you to be babes. I don't want you to be babies in the, in the, in the Lord. I want, to, I, want to, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. Think about this, guys. Think about this. Even when it comes to preachers and men, make sure we don't reverse the creative order. God gives us our favorite preachers. He gives us our favorite pastors. He gives us people we love so we can glorify him, not the other way around. And that doesn't only work in preachers. Think about this. I've seen relationships where the man loves his wife more than he loves God. Or the woman lifts her man up more than, more than God, and it's reversing the creative order. God gave you that woman. God gave you that woman, so you just look at her and you go, man, she's perfect for me. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, think about this. Think about it in relation to food. We all love food, right? And we all love that perfect steak. And if you're a vegetarian here, I'm sorry, turn off your ears right now. Don't, don't listen to this. But there's that steak that's about medium well. Yeah, a little bit of, oh, it's when you start, when you put the knife on it, it just melts like butter. You're making all of you hungry. 
I love the Lord because he gave us taste buds. You know what I mean? Why did he give us taste buds? I mean, he could have just like not, and then everything is just cardboard and we just eat and we don't really, but he gave us taste buds. Why? Not to reverse the creative order and go, Lord, we just worship you for this steak, but we go, Lord, thank you that you allowed me to have this steak or whatever veggies you like. I don't know anybody who's ever thanked God for veggies. But anyways, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And so he keeps going, guys. He keeps going. Guys, please don't lift man above Christ. We love pastors. We love teachers. We thank God for them, but we never put them above. I don't know how, how to keep saying this. And, and you guys do an amazing job. You definitely don't lift me on a pedestal, and I praise God for that because I'm just a man. But I know that many people lift up our favorite teachers. And we buy books from them and, and we want to hear them and, and we like their personalities and they really connect with us. But never, never, never put them above God. Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, he says, So, he says, let a man so consider us. Guys, think about us. He says, as servants of Christ and stewards in the mysteries of God, Paul says, let a man so consider us servants. That's what he's calling us. He's saying, I'm a servant. I'm a steward of the word of God. Do you guys see that? I'm a steward. He's going to expand a little bit. Look at verse 2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that what? That one be found faithful. He says, listen, if you're going to be a steward of God, if you're going to grow in God's grace, if you're going to get that reward in heaven, the first thing you need to do is be faithful. And the word in the Greek is trustworthy. Are you trustworthy? Does your word matter? Are you going to say what you say and do what you say? Because a steward's responsibility is to be faithful to the master. And a pastor's responsibility is to be faithful to teach the things of the Lord. The moment you hear anyone behind this pulpit teach any other doctrine than Christ crucified, you better leave and take me with you. I'm, no, I'm serious. I'm serious because the bottom line is, is that it's our responsibility. As a matter of fact, you realize that's why James said, not, let not many of you become teachers. Why? He says, because you know you will be, you who teach will be judged more strictly. Yeah, that's what I signed up for. Yeah, Lord, uh, you know, here's the deal. I want to teach the Bible. Yeah, you're going to be judged strictly. Oh, really? We don't sign up for that. I don't think anybody would. But God says, I've called you to teach the truth. That's my responsibility to teach the Bible. And I love what Paul says. He says, but with me, notice, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. He says, in fact, he says, I don't even judge myself. You know what he's saying here, guys? He's saying, listen, it really matters very little what y'all think about me when it comes to the gospel. He says, as a matter of fact, I don't even think about me. He says, I don't even, he says, I don't even trust my own judgment. I'm not the big man on campus, nor do I want to be. And I was thinking about this. What if every believer had this opinion of themselves? It really matters very little what y'all think 
about me when it comes to the gospel. Even less where I rank on popular opinion. He says, when it comes to spreading the good news, the gospel, the depth of the gospel, he said, comparison to these matters, man, they're pointless. They're pointless. And then he goes on, right? And he says, for I know nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this. But he who who judges me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. What's he saying? He's saying, guys, listen, this is the bottom line. Here's the thing. Do what you got to do and look for God to praise you, to lift you up. I found a quote from this pastor, and now listen to this quote. These verses must not be used to cultivate a self-righteous independence of people. In other words, he goes, well, I don't care what you think about me. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. That's not what these verses are for. These verses goes, listen, when it comes to the gospel, I love you, but I'm not concerned what you really think of me. And here's our bottom line. You ready? Here's the application. This church needs to do whatever, whatever we need to do, guys, to reach the lost. Short of sin, we need to do whatever. We can't be fighting about where the copier goes. We can't be fighting what color of carpet is in the car. We can't be fighting about this or this or this. We got to go, listen, all, that's nothing. He says, we got to go. There's a world that's lost and dying, and the gospel is the only thing that saves them. You, you, you see that. This church is fine. Their baby, well, we don't, we don't like the way you did the chairs, so we're not coming. We don't like where the sound booth. I mean, they're fighting over silly things. And that's not what we should do. We should go, no, 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 no. Listen, here's the thing. Those things make no difference to me. It's about Jesus. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. The local church, guys, is a family. And members of the family must do what? We must help each other grow. You see, there, there's a place, guys, for honest, loving criticism. Ephesians tells us that. If the critic is right, then he has helped us. Okay, sorry, yeah, I'm, I'm on my way. If he's wrong, then we can help him. Either way, the truth is strengthened. You go, well, what are you trying to say, Pastor, really quick? I think it's important we love people back to life. I think it's important. Now, Galatians 6.1 says, you who are spiritual... Restore such a one. He says, but be careful that you don't fall into same temptation. You with me? You guys tracking with me? Here's what I say. If a brother who's a brother is in the mud, get in the mud with him. Get in there and, and walk with him. Come on, man. Let's go. If a brother falls, you don't stand at the side of the ditch and go, get up. Come on. You can do it, right? Get in the mud. Come on, man. Yeah, but, but Ben, you're going to be muddy. I know. But it's for the sake of the gospel. My brother Kevin is beat up and bloody. He's my brother. I'm going to be with him. Yeah, but you'll get his blood on you. It's for the sake of the gospel. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, guys, we're a family. We're a family. We're members of the body. Walk with each other, love each other, and restore them to a place. And when you restore them, 
And Kevin goes, I remember. I remember I came in with a wound. And nobody shot me. They actually bandaged me up, and now I can help others. I can help others. All right, guys, we got to close right here. But I don't want to lose you. I just want to close with a few thoughts. The worship team is going to come back and sing that last song. But think about what Paul is saying. He's saying, for you and I, we need to have the right perspective. I think the worship team's coming. Somebody's coming. There they come. Awesome. Hey, listen, anytime we're suffering disunity, I think it's time to turn our eyes back on Jesus. And I think we need to get our instructions from him. Here's why, and you can jot this down. Calvary Chapel Lubbock is not about me, and it's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about bringing glory to God in everything we do. And then, and then today, bask in the gospel. All things are yours. All things. What for? He says, the pastors that have been given to you, they're yours. The teachers, life, death, the present, the future. Why, Ben? Why? So that we might live the difference by knowing him, growing in his grace, and enjoying Jesus forever. That's the purpose. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Father, thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. And this last song, God, may we sing to you with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, because, Lord, it is, it is the place where we need you more, more than words can say, God, we need you. May that be our anthem this this morning, God, in Jesus' name. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.